Blessed be the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this week and of staying in your presence, listening to your heart, being transformed by your truth. We praise you and we bless your name. Thank you for this church where your name is honored, where your word is proclaimed. Thank you, Father, for this congregation. You have said to us that you are releasing chosen vessels. And Lord, we just believe that word that you have spoken. We believe that out of this weekend, you are re- releasing, you are recruiting, releasing vessels that will make impact in the advancement of your kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. And now Lord, we want to ask that you show us how to apprehend the process by which we can apprehend that for which you have apprehended us. Show us how to press, how to press, how to press, Lord, unto this mark, so that we can win the prize of the high calling of God in Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed, and all the people of God said, Amen. Okay. Um... Let's turn our Bibles back to Philippians chapter 3 and because the passage has been read already, we'll just read from verses 12 to 15. Philippians chapter 3 from verses 12 to 15. This is the servant of God but Paul speaking. He says, not that I have already attained or I am already made perfect. But I press on, I press on, so that I may lay hold or I may apprehend that for which Christ Jesus has also done what? Apprehended or laid hold of me. So in this scripture, the servant of God is saying, look, I am not perfect already. I have not attained to this goal. I am not all that I should be yet. See, but there is something that I'm doing. You say, I'm pressing. I'm pressing on. So that what will happen? So that I can lay hold of that for which the Lord Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. So Jesus apprehended me. But my apprehension, my being apprehended, was not for nothing. It was not without an agenda. I was apprehended for a purpose. And I want to apprehend the purpose for which I was apprehended. And then he says in verse 13 again, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward uh, to those things which are ahead, I press. Notice that's the second time that word is being used. I press toward the mark for the prize of the upward call, the high calling. 
So this high calling is there and there is a price. And he says, I am pressing toward the mark for this price of the high calling, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 15, he says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. This is very important. Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. You see, the mind of the mature is not what many of us think it is. Notice what Brother Paul is saying here. He said, let us, as many of us as are mature, have this mind. Have which mind? The mind that says, I have not yet attained. The mind that says, I am pressing on. You see, the mind of the mature is not a smug satisfaction with yourself. It's not a happy congratulation with your historical zeal. You notice what I'm calling it? Historical zeal. You used to be on fire. But what we have left now are ashes on your altar. The mind of the mature is not a mind that says, I got it made. It's a mind that is hungry. It's a mind that realizes that there is something ahead. There is more in God. (laughs) It's a mind that realizes with clarity that, and you see, the trouble with this thing is that the mind of the mature is not comparing, is not comparative with human beings. It is comparative with the mark. You see, when you compare yourself with, (laughs) what Paul says, comparing themselves with themselves, you say they are not wise. I don't want to be a local champion. I don't want to compare myself with you. I want to compare myself with the mark. And once you compare yourself with the mark, you will realize how far away you are. But if you compare yourself with yourself, you say, you know me too, I can speak in tongues. We are not doing badly. You are not doing badly. By whose measurement? He said, at least I don't beat my wife. I'm trying. Is that why we are here? We should congratulate you that you don't beat your wife. Is that why Jesus died? So that you will not be beating your wife. That's your definition of spirituality. So as, as once you arrive at a place where you don't quarrel with your wife anymore, heaven will start clapping for you. Amen? You know, thank God me, I don't commit adultery. Is that all? Why are you defining yourself by what you don't do? What about what you are called to do? The mind of the mature is not a mind that is settled and feels that I'm okay now. It's a mind that realizes that there is greatness ahead. Look, as you, as you are looking at me, I'm a hungry man. I want to know God. You may look at me and you are clapping for Brother Ferdinand, but you don't understand. There is more in God. There is more. You say, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those that love him when we get to heaven. What's wrong with what I just quoted? I added something. I added when we get to heaven. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him when we get to heaven. It doesn't say that. 
You've not seen what God can do with a life. A man called Henry Valley, Henry Valley made a statement that set D.L. Moody on fire. Henry Valley said to D.L. Moody, he said, the world is here to see what God can do with a man that is totally committed to him. And that thing kept on ringing in Moody's head and heart. And he went back to America from England where Henry Valley told him that. And the rest is history. You know how greatly God used that man. Once you settle on your knees, you know you have arrived. You are no longer struggling. Some of us, you are no longer that student who is making effort. You know, now you are a consultant. Things are not bad. Praise God. There is money pouring into your account. Some of you are not sure what to do with the money you are receiving. I'm not joking. No. Some of you, the quantity of money you are being paid, you are not sure what to do with it. That's why you start some foolish projects. And you are just building. You are building something else because your friends are building something else. The mind of the mature, brother Paul said, let as many of us as are mature, let as many of us as have come to a place where God has helped us, let us have this mindset. If you read earlier in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, you remember he was talking of another mindset. He said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, even though he was in the form of God, thought it not trouble to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every name must bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The mind of the mature. I pray that God will give us that mind this weekend. You see, if you don't have this mind, you will not be able to press to anything. Because you are already satisfied. You are not doing badly. You are content. You are happy. You will not be able to wake up in the night and read your Bible while others are sleeping. You won't be able to turn off the social media that is distracting Christians. You have time for WhatsApp and you, you have no time for... You have time to fa- do Facebook, but you don't have time to face the book that contains your destiny. If you are not in possession of this mind of the mature, Christianity is not a place where we have some big champions who have made it and they have settled. No! Oh God, give us this mind inside church here today and across the body of Christ. A mind that is hungry for the greatest and the highest. You see, because it's a high calling, as you are ascending, the height of the calling is dawning on you. Do you know there are certain heights you cannot see until you arrive at certain heights? Paul, I said there are some heights you cannot see until you get to certain heights. Then when you get to those certain heights, you see more heights. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. And so we have seen in the course of this um, uh, weekend that everything began because a man was what? Apprehended. Everybody say apprehended. Please listen to me, brothers and sisters. I want to ask you a question. Have you been apprehended by Jesus Christ? It's a major question. 
has Jesus arrested you? Because that's what he did to this man. It was a violent encounter. It, this thing changed this man's life. It changed the direction of his life. See, brothers and sisters, the trouble that we have is that many of us inside the church, you are still free. You are still free. Jesus has not arrested you. The reason we can do many of the things that we do is because you are not in custody. Do you know that somebody who is in custody, there are things you can do inside in custody, in a prison cell. And Brother Paul kept on calling himself the prisoner of the Lord. He never referred to himself as a prisoner of Rome. It was because he was a prisoner of Christ that he ended up in the prisons of men for the cause of Jesus Christ. Have you been apprehended by Christ? Do you know that three quarter of all the problems we have in our families will disappear if the husband and the wife have both been arrested by Jesus Christ. Because before you open your mouth to talk to your husband, <laughs> you are in custody. Jesus is holding you. You can't talk anyhow you like. <laughs> the reason you can say what you want to say and give him a piece of your mind is because you are free. And the reason the man can raise his hand and beat out or shout or sleep around is because you are free. You are roaming around a picture of this thing, you remember the cold that was, the Bible says when Jesus was coming down from the Mount of Olives this January I was on the Mount of Olives and we were coming down I, I understood what the Bible says that when Jesus, as he came down from the Mount of Olives, he saw Jerusalem literally the Mount of Olives is higher than, than Jerusalem when the Bible says Jerusalem as the mountains are round about Jerusalem so the Lord is round about his people, that is true if you go to Jerusalem, there are mountains round about Jerusalem and one of those mountains is the Mount of Olives. It's higher than Jerusalem. So as you are coming down the Mount of Olives, this is Jerusalem in front of you. When Jesus saw Jerusalem, he began to weep. But remember, the Bible says he sent some of his disciples and he said, go down to that place. You are going to find a colt that is tied. A colt is the baby of a donkey. You see, there are some words in the Bible that if you don't know what they mean, you will know what they are saying. It's a young donkey. You are going to find it tied. And nobody has ridden it before. Lose it and bring it to me. Do you know that that coat that was tied is apprehended? The coat that was tied is apprehended. It can't go wherever it likes. It can't eat whatever it likes. It cannot fellowship with other colts. And I can imagine all the other colts and all the other donkeys laughing at that colt and saying, hoo, 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 you don't understand freedom. But it was they who did not understand that Messiah was coming and that he's going to ride on somebody. It is the apprehended life that is a chosen vessel. A life that is free to do whatever you like, go wherever you like, join whatever you like, travel whenever you like. You don't have a master that is in... Brother, this is a problem in the church. There are too many people who are Christians, but the Christ they call is not, is not master and lord of their hearts and their lives. It's a problem. But when a life has been apprehended, Ah, now you have a chosen vessel. They say, it's a chosen vessel of mine. 
Look at all the people that God has used significantly. Jesus apprehended them. It may not be like the blazing light that Saul of Tarsus saw, but it was a real experience that terminated their old life and brought new life to be. It was a genuine encounter. And you can have that encounter this morning. And our apprehending, our being apprehended, can also come by glad surrender. When you come before the Lord Jesus and say, Jesus, here am I, here am I. Do you know there are some prisoners when you are looking for them? After some time, they turn themselves in. They go to the police station and say, look at me here. You can do that this morning with Jesus. Say, Lord, you have been looking for me. Here I am now. It's okay. We take you into holy custody. <laughs> you see this thing I'm preaching? I like it. <laughs> some people are looking for how to backslide. Some of us are looking for how to front slide. <laughs> I like this thing. <laughs> if anybody tells you there is life anywhere else, it's a joke. Leave the person alone. Blessed be God forevermore. So in the life of this brother Paul, we also see that there was a goal that he was pursuing. Amen? Uh, and remember that goal, remember from what we saw, that goal was the Lord Jesus himself. But you know, Christ also has a purpose. He has an agenda. So the goal included the purpose of God for brother Paul. Uh, when he appeared to him, he said, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister of the things which you have seen and of the things in which I will yet appear to you. And I'm sending you now to the Gentiles to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, so that they may receive an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. He said, wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Ah, the man received a heavenly vision. Do you have a heavenly vision? Do you have a heavenly vision that you are living for that is driving you? All of you sisters, any young man comes to wants to marry you, he says, I love you, I want to marry you. One of the major questions you should ask him is, what is your vision? If you marry a man that does not have vision, you will become his vision. <laughs> and that's bad news. When a man wakes up in the morning and you are the only vision he can see, that is trouble. Some of you are already inside the trouble. <laughs> because when the man wakes up, particularly when there is no money in his pocket, <laughs> when he wakes up like this, he just sees you. <laughs> and you are his agenda. <laughs> but Paul received a heavenly vision. Oh God, give everyone in this place a heavenly vision. The Bible says your young man will see visions. A life that has no vision. You say, the Bible says where there is no vision, what happens now? He said the people, the people perish. Where there is no vision. The people, please listen here. Do you know that scripture doesn't say where there is no vision, the person perishes. It doesn't say that. It says the people. Because one man's lack of vision can bring perishing to people. People that will have been impacted. People that will have been helped. People that will have been transformed by one man's vision. They will perish. That's why you will not only give an account for yourself, you will give an account for the vision. You receive the heavenly vision. 
And the summary of that heavenly vision, located and rooted in Christ, was number one, the race. You remember we saw that? Acts chapter 20 verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life as dear to myself. If only I may accomplish two things. If only I may do what? Finish the race, complete the task. Everybody say, finish the race. I can't hear you. Finish the race, complete the task. Finish the race, complete the task. That is what to live for. Finish the race, complete the task. Say it again. Finish the race, complete the task. What is race? Race is your personal Christian life. It's your walk with God. It's your journey from time to eternity. It's your transformation into Christ-likeness. That's the race. For all those whom God foreknew, he, he, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The race represents our transformation in life and character. Nobody can run your race for you. That's why at the end of his life, you have a point say, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me. And not to me only on that day, but to all those who have loved his appearing. The race represents your Christian life. Come and hear the Bible. Say, wherefore, being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that doth easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's interesting in that scripture that in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about the heroes of the faith. Is that not correct? He mentions all kinds of people. Abraham, you know, Isaac, Jacob, Jephthah, Samuel, great people huh, that God used. Do you know that the name of Jesus does not appear in Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 talks about the heroes of the faith and great people in the faith. But by the time chapter 12 opens, we are now being told that we should look unto Jesus the author, the author. You see, we don't look at the heroes of the faith that we see in chapter 11. They are witnesses to our own race. They have run their own race. But we don't fix our eyes on them. Because they are not the author of the faith. There is somebody in the Bible calls the author and the finisher of the faith. He is the one that we are to fix our eyes on as we run the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He said, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, lest you grow weary in your mind, because you have not striven against sin, you know, unto the shedding of your blood. That's the race. What about the task? The task is the assignment. The task is the ministry. Is the ass- Every believer has a race to run and a task to accomplish. And you, you better complete it before you stand before Jesus. You better find out. The task, let me quickly explain this and then I will get into the rest of the things I have for today. The task is divided into general and specific. 
This is going to be very helpful. You have a lot of believers in the church. They are looking for the will of God. I want to know the will of God. And for the past 20 years, they have been praying for the will of God. Please listen now. Everything that you can find written in your Bible, that is God's will for you. That is the general task. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the task. Huh? Make disciples of every nation. That is the task. Walk in love. Everything you read in scripture is the task that God has given to every believer. But then, in the midst of this general task, you also have your specific assignment, your specific ministry. You know, uh, Prof, remember, you know, you people taught us and you showed us example. You and Dr. Anselmama and several others, they taught us that the thing to do, in fact, the teaching, when we got born again on campus, they told us, they said, now that you are born again, if Jesus did not have a reason for getting you saved, he will just take you to heaven. But the fact that he got you born again, you are ready to go to heaven, and he has left you in this world, means that he has an assignment for you to fulfill. And then they told us, they said, so you must now pray and seek him until he makes the thing clear to you. Until you know why you are alive. I'm telling you what I was taught after I got saved. This is what they taught us. And they said, you have to pray. If you seek him, he will tell you. Since he's your savior, he will tell you why he has left you here. My brothers and sisters, you need to hear us praying on campus. There's a place called Victory Ground. You know those long tennis courts at the University of Enugu campus here. You know those long tennis courts as you are entering. That place, the, I don't know whether prayer is still going on in that place, so I hope so. If you know the quantity of prayers that are ascended to heaven from that place, we will be walking up and down there. Sometimes 10 o'clock in the night, 11, 12, 1 a.m. Every night in the fellowship where I was brought up, we had prayer meeting every night. Every, whether there was exam the following day or not was immaterial. Every night, I think it was 10 to 11 or 11 to 12, we went to pray. Whether it was raining or not, look, rain will be pouring, cats and dogs will take off from our rooms and start running to victory ground. Because we must pray. And the moment we arrive there, Come and hear prayer. Oh God. Follow in the name of Jesus. I don't want to waste my life. Why am I here? What is my ministry? Father, give me a vision for my life. Oh God. I want to make impact. It's only one life I have. We are teenagers. I said we are teenagers. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about 18, 19, 20. We are praying. Father, we don't want to waste our life. Is it what we fasting sometimes? Come and hear somebody. One of the ways we used to pray is like this. We will kneel down and then because Elijah did it. You know the way Elijah prayed? The Bible says he knelt down and he put his head between his legs like this. It's the name of Jesus. It's only one life. I don't want to waste it. God, you are praying. You are praying. It will be as if your heart will burst. As a student on campus, I knew what to do with my life. What are you called to do with your one life? You must find out because you will give account of it. That's your vision. It's unfortunate that the young people of today, all you know how to pray about is wife and job and visa. 
and America. I want to warn you, I want to warn you, America is not the way you think it is. Some of you that are planning to travel. Um, I want to, and, by, and the UK. In fact, I pity those of you that want to go to the UK. Your case is more serious. Because they've not finished solving their problems and you want to pack there. Huh. You've not seen people with PhDs, medical doctors of many years, serving as gate men and, and, and washing plates in McDonald's. I like my friend, Professor Ikechevere, Joseph Ikechevere, my friend, my, my, my best man, my dear friend. I like him. Joe went to the UK. When his visa expired, Joe entered the plane. He said, I'm going back. He had an accident. He came back with clutches. He said, I'm not staying in another man's country, running around as a, as a hiding in some, I'm going back to Nigeria. He came back, did his training. Now he's a world class consultant. He travels around the world. He can go anywhere he likes and stay anywhere. Those of you that are running from Nigeria, be careful. Make sure that, you see the point now, if you had been apprehended, you will not be planning to travel without asking your master. Give me a clap of you. You don't hear what I'm talking about. Am I telling the truth or not? If, if it was true, if it was true that Jesus has apprehended you, you will, even now that you have the visa, you will come and bring it to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, what do you want to do with this visa? But because you are free, you can make your plans, you have money. Like Jonah. The Bible says Jonah went down to Joppa. I saw the place in Joppa, in Israel, the other week, some, you know, early January. He went to Joppa and he bought a ticket. He had money in it. There sometimes it's not good for a Christian to have money. <laughs> Jonah had money to pay his way out of the will of God. But God had other plans. <laughs> He arranged alternative transport for Jonah. <laughs> for free. <laughs> and I want you to listen. If you are a chosen vessel, God will do it to you. He will let you pass. Blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Son of God. So, but Paul was now pressing. Pressing. And I want to spend some time on that. Before we draw the close. Notice that the Bible says he counted everything as loss for the excellency of the knowledge. You see brothers and sisters, there was a counting that was dependent on a revelation. You see, the person that brother Paul saw, the person that he saw, I don't know what how to explain this thing. He, the sight of Jesus took away every other desire from brother Paul. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And grace. He said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. He said, look full in his wonderful face. And something will happen to you. He said, the things of earth will do what? They will grow strangely dim. Strangely dim. They will lose their attraction by virtue of the glory that excels. 
in the light of the person that Brother Paul saw, he lost interest in a thousand other amenities, in a, in a trillion other frivolities. The man was no longer interested. He had seen something. You see, you cannot persuade people who have not seen anything to forsake what they are holding. Do you remember the man that saw the treasure in the field? Do you remember that man? What, what did the Bible say the man did? He went and sold everything. I want you to picture that man actually selling everything. You know when the Bible says he sold everything, you have to agree with the Bible that he sold everything. I mean, he sold his shoes. He sold his jacket. It's just that he couldn't walk around naked. So he has to wear something. He, and when he was selling, he was not selling at the proper price. Because you know he needs the cash. Eh? He's cashing out. So he's auctioning the things. He's selling them to him. Just bring money, bring money. Take my land, take my house. Take. If you saw him, he must have looked crazy. But why is he looking crazy like that? It's because of something he saw. Now question. Can you persuade somebody who didn't see anything to sell anything? The answer to that is no. That's our problem in the church. That is why we must continue to ask God for a fresh revelation of the glorified Christ. In the light of his person. <laughs> All the, do you know that do you know that there is a love that excels? In the light of his person, many other things that look important, but I said everything that looked like gain to me, I have counted as loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Alright? Now, very quickly, I now want us to go to verse 12. Please look at that verse 12. Paul said that I might win Christ. You remember he said something like that? That I might win Christ. How do you win Christ? Eh? How do you win Christ after you are already won by Christ? You know, Christ has won him, Abi. Now he wants to win Christ. So it looks to me like after Christ has won you, the next thing to do now is to start targeting to win the person that won you. It, it's, it's an amazing race. It, it looks contradictory, but it is not. It's the correct consequence of encountering the Savior. Look at that verse 12. He said, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I do what? I press on. I press. Now, you know, on Friday, I told you about Katalambano. You remember that? The apprehending. Now, you see that I press on. If you check it in the real language, the word is dioko. D-I-O-K-O. I am not a Greek scholar. But you can check any of these things because now there are software. So when Brother Paul said, I press on, what he literally said, I dioko. I dioko. Now, so I did a search on that dioko. So I can find... Where else was that word used in the Bible? And do you know what dioko means? And once I saw that, I could see the problem. You don't even know the word dioko. Dioko is to persecute. I persecute. So when Brother Paul said, I press on, the word he used for press on is the same word for persecution. So if we are to read it, it will sound very strange. But just imagine. He said, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I persecute. <laughs> I am persecuting so that I may lay hold of that so that I may apprehend. I am persecuting to apprehend. <laughs> see, do you see the words? I am persecuting so that I can arrest. 
That for which the Lord Jesus Christ has apprehended me. Now listen to how the word is used in other places. Dioko is the word translated for persecute and for persecution in the New Testament. In, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 10, remember the Beatitudes. Blessed are you those who are persecuted for what? For righteousness sake. The word is Dioko. The same word. Now, when Jesus said to Paul, eh? So remember, when Paul himself said, when Jesus said to Saul, 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 why are you dioking me? <laughs> why are you persecuting me? Is the same word. And Saul himself, you remember, in this Philippians chapter 3, if you go to verse 6, remember, Paul said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, is the same word, dioko. So, what Brother Paul was saying, the Bible says, flee youthful loss, but follow after righteousness. The word is dioko, persecute after righteousness. You see, once you understand this, you will understand why apprehending is not possible, except you persecute. What, what do I mean? See what I mean here. For you to apprehend anything, you have to persecute after that thing. You cannot apprehend with a casual attitude. Excuse me, are prisoners arrested with a casual attitude? Do you know that the police have to persecute after them? <laughs> well, some of the Latin, who did the greatest damage any human being has done to America? Do you know, both, not just in life, but physically and economically. Some economists calculated the value, the economic impact of Osama bin Laden on America. It came to somewhere between three to five trillion dollars. The cost, the economic cost of Osama bin Laden to America, three to five trillion US dollars. That's the quality of damage the man did to America. Now, of course, with all the terrible things he did and his people on 911, September 11, 2001. Now, for them to catch him, what did they do? What did they do? They had to persecute him for 10 years. They had to deoko him for 10 years. They were trying to smoke him out. The whole might of America was after one man. And you can only last for so long. America will get you if they are looking for you. If they set their hearts and their minds to get, they will find you. For 10 years, they made up their mind, George Bush and the subsequent president, they said, the person that did this to America will be found. They spent billions of dollars looking for Osama Bin Laden. Whatever they did, CIA, FBI, and all their spies around the world, they had to find him. They, they, they persecuted him to Pakistan, persecuted him to, to what is it called? To Yemen, to wherever there was any trace of him, they were looking for him until they got him. You know the rest of the story. The point I'm trying to make, brothers and sisters, is that if we are going to apprehend that for which Jesus Christ has apprehended us, we must be ready to persecute that purpose. See, I hope I'm not confusing you. Am I confusing you everyone in this place? Now, let me explain the way you understand. When I say persecute, I mean to pursue with all your might. Do you know that Paul himself was persecuting Jesus before this? 
But now he says, I am persecuting with a different agenda. Before, what was he persecuting Jesus for? To destroy his church and to kill Christians. Eh? But after he now got saved, he now began to use the same intensity with which he once persecuted the church to pursue Jesus. Now in a positive direction. The same way, do you know that Brother Paul was called mad? Eh? He was called mad. He was mad before he met Jesus and he was mad after. Let's, let's prove what I'm saying by scripture. Please go with me to Acts of the Apostles chapter 26. Help me to put up Acts chapter 26. This is very important. From verse 9. Acts 26 from verse 9. He was speaking before King Agrippa. From verse 9. He said, Indeed though, I myself thought that I must do many terrible things to the name of Jesus Christ. Next verse. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. And having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. See, so it's not only Stephen. He didn't say when he was put to death. He said when they. So there were many other Christians that were killed that Brother Paul participated. He said when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Look at verse 11. And I punished them often in every synagogue. And I compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad. Eh? You see that enraged. King James calls it mad. Can you put it in the King James? Look at it. And being exceedingly what? Mad against them. I drove them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. This was before Paul got born again. Saul of Tarsus was a madman. There was something driving him. Now, but look now what happened in the same chapter. Jump down down to verse 26. No, no, yes. Jump down to verse 24. 24. And as he told speak, as he told speak, as Paul was speaking, this passage where Paul was preaching, King Agrippa was there, he was telling, Paul was telling his testimony. He said, as he told speak for himself, Festus, that's the governor, eh, said with a loud voice, Paul, 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 you are beside yourself, you are crazy. Much learning is making you mad. And then look at the next verse. <laughs> he said, I'm not mad. Most, most noble festivals. <laughs> but I speak for the words of truth and soberness. I'm not mad. <gasps> see, the man before, you see the trouble with the church is that people that we are mad for the devil, they are lukewarm for Jesus Christ. You that serve the devil with all of your heart. Now you have come into, into Christianity and you are behaving as if you don't know how to be zealous. Like a physical attitude. You are doing, but when you were serving the devil, was that how you served him? <laughs> Paul himself said, Second Corinthians 5, he said, if we are mad, it is between us and God. I want you to listen, sir. 
this generation is going to see a new breed of crazy believers. Believers that are mad. They are so mad for Jesus and so mad for the purposes of God that they are not interested in anything you have to offer. Until, that's why Nigeria is the way Nigeria is. So there are people that are Christian, but they are mad for money. Money is more important to them than righteousness. That's why you have... Do you know in Nigeria, they argue about the percentages. What's the percentage of Christians? What's the percentage of Muslims in Nigeria? People are not sure. That's why our government, they have also refused to include religion in the census. And those census figures are very crooked. I promise you that. They are, I remember one time I was, I was walking in Bauchi. Do you know that they labeled classrooms? Classrooms we are labeled with stickers. And human beings we are located. People are supposed to be in their houses for census. Classrooms in the place we are labeled. To be counted. And human beings and names we are located. So that the population figure from that side will always be more. It is only in Nigeria that people that live in the desert are more than those that live near the water. Go check it anywhere in history. See, so we have percentages of Christians and Muslims. Nobody is sure of what the correct percentage is. There are very, some people say 52% Christians, 45% Muslim, and then the rest animists. Some people say 47% Christians, 42%, 45% Muslims, and then the rest something else. There are, depending on who is doing the census, it varies. But let's say we have 40% Christians. 40% out of 200 million, approximate, is how many? Who knows? That's 80 million. 40% of 200 million is 80 million. So can you imagine that we have 80 million crazy disciples of Jesus Christ and Nigeria is like this? It's a joke. It's a joke. You are joking. What you call corruption will die because the believer who is sitting at the table he is not crazy about profit. He is crazy about the kingdom. So we will die first before we change these figures. Oh, we will die first. We are not doing that. <laughs> not why my master is in charge here. So the point I'm making is that there must be a persecution. Now let's make it simple. Those of you that did residency, how did you apprehend consultantship? You have to persecute your residency program. <laughs> Am I correct? Am I talking to anybody in this place? Ah, you have to persecute it. Look at the way you are reading. You, are, you don't have time for anything. Of course, your consultants make sure you don't have time for anything. You are always in the hospital. You are persecuting. You, you even persecuted patients. <laughs> well, <laughs> both the ones that you like and the ones you didn't like. You know, there are some very difficult patients. You persecuted them because you must collect your sample. <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot apprehend anything you are not willing to do what to persecute it is by persecuting a fierce pursuit that you apprehend may God put zeal in your heart for the pursuit of the almighty God and for the pursuit of the son of God blessed be the name of Jesus Christ which now brings me to something else. And you are going to find that. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3. 
I will find a place to tie this up and then we can pray. It brings me to something major. Have you seen Philippians chapter 3? Ah, look at it in verse 13. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I spoke about that. The mind of the mature does not count themselves to have apprehended. But what does he do? And by the way, please listen. You see, when Brother Paul was saying that, he was not pretending. Do you know that if you read the New Testament carefully, you can see Brother Paul maturing. I said you can. Brother Paul was not perfect all through the New Testament. Let me give you one quick example. One day, Barnabas said, let's go back. Paul and Barnabas said, Paul said, let's go back and go and visit our people. Barnabas said, okay bro, uh, let's take John Mark. Brother Paul said, no, no, we are not taking John Mark. We are not taking John Mark. Barnabas said, let's take John Mark along with us. He said, no, he was in Philippi. He abandoned us in Philippi. We are not taking him anywhere. Barnabas said, give the young man a chance. He said, we are not doing it. You will spoil the work of God. No. Ah, ah. Is it because it's your cousin? Is it because, is it my cousin? It has nothing to do with being my cousin. This is a young man who was tired when we got to Philippi. He traveled back. Let's give him another chance. No, we are not doing that. But I said, we are doing that. No, we are not doing that. No, we are not agree. No. You need to read it in the Bible. The Bible said the quarrel was terrible between Paul and Barnabas. Well, is that the mark of a spiritual man? Later in life, you see that John Mark that Paul dismissed. He said, when you are coming, bring John Mark for me. Because he's profitable to me for the ministry. I can imagine Barnabas saying, you, you are rejecting John Mark. Once upon a time, you yourself, you were rejected. I was the one that came to look for you when the brethren did not accept you. Give him a chance. He said, no, we are, we are not doing that. No, no. You think this apostle was perfect all through the New Testament from beginning to the end? He himself was also changing. He was maturing. He was growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then he said, but there is something that I do. What is that thing that he says he does? Everybody help me. What's the word there? Forgetting. Somebody say forgetting. I didn't hear some people here say forgetting, 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 forgetting what? Those things that are behind. Please listen to me now. If you look at that scripture very well, you will see there are three time frames buried in that scripture. You have the frame that contains those things which are behind. Then look, he says, reaching forward to those things which are in front. So notice, some things are behind, some things are in front. But now you have the present. So what does he use the present to do? He said, in the present, I am not occupied with those things which are behind. I am using this present to press on to possess the things that are in front. I want you to listen to me. There are some things that are behind in your life. And there are some things that are in front. And I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ that the things that are in front of you are incomparably greater than the things that are behind you. Can I get a name from somebody inside church in this place? Do you hear what I'm saying here? Now, but the problem is if you fix your eyes on those things which are behind, you cannot possess the things which are ahead. Forget him. 
What are these things that are behind? Behind them at this point, there were all kinds of suffering. There was successes. Do you know there were achievements? There were all kinds of things he had accomplished. But if you put your past accomplishments in front of you, you are not going to accomplish anything new. There were successes. There were failures. There were mistakes. You see, forgetting the things that are past. Somebody in this place, you are released from your past in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, if you don't forget the things that are past, you cannot possess the things that are in front of you. And Satan, Satan, Satan is bad. The devil is very bad. He likes to use what is behind to collect what is in front of you. By keeping you occupied with what is behind. I, sometimes I joke, I tell people, I said, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Both of them are very bad. <laughs> I said, both of them are what? Very bad. But the good news is that my own is in the past. I, you know, when they say, it's Ferdinand, look at what you used to be. I said, Satan, look, see the lake of fire is in front of you. Stop. <laughs> Remind him of when he is bound by that angel for 1,000 years and thrown into a bottomless pit. Do you know that if the pit is bottomless, it means that the fall is endless. Did you hear what I just said? If you threw this thing into a bottomless pit, because the pit is bottomless, it means that this thing will keep falling. Blessed be the name of the Son of God. I said, blessed be the name of the Son of God. Whoa! Look at Joseph. Brothers and sisters, if Joseph had occupied himself with the things that were behind him, could he have possessed the things that are in front of him? What are the things behind Joseph? Somebody mentioned to me. Help me to preach as I round off this morning. What are the things behind Joseph? Yes? Hatred! Hatred! Hatred by who? By the people that are closest to you. Some people here, you have been hated and be betrayed by the closest betrayer. Thank you, that's another one. You have been hated and you have been betrayed by people that are closest to you. You are carrying the wound. There are some people in this place, Kionoto, Paraya, Kabos, Itai. There are some people in this place, you have been abused by people that are close to you. Some ladies here. And you have been ashamed to even talk about it. You feel guilty. You feel condemned. And every time you remember it, every attempt to pray or to read the Bible. In fact, at a point, the devil says to you, what is the point of quoting Bible when so-so-so and so-called who is supposed to be Christian has done this kind of thing to you? Why don't you, Kuku, go all out and, and live a wild life? I'm talking to a few persons here. In church. You have been abused. You carry the wound in your heart. You don't know the kind of things that go on. Even with the closest of people. He was betrayed. He was, he was, some more. What are the things that Joseph suffered? Betrayer. He was forgotten by people that he helped. Sir? False accusation. False accusation. You know Mrs. Potiphar? 
They lie with me, sleep with me. Joseph said, Madam, sleep with you. <laughs> you don't know what you are saying, Madam. In this house, there is nobody greater than me, except your husband. And the only thing your husband has kept from me is you. And it's correct because you are his wife. And then listen to what Joe said. Joe Jacob. JJ. His full name was Joe Jacob Abraham. Joe Jacob I Abraham. <laughs> listen to what Joe said. Joe said, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What is Joseph calling great wickedness? Everybody. It's sexual immorality. It's adultery. But that's what some people call fun. One lady came to me in the clinic those days when I was running the hospital. He said, doctor, doctor, when I'm having fun. I said, stop. What do you mean? Please explain. I don't understand. I asked her, are you married? She said, no. <laughs> when I'm having fun with my boyfriend, she's having some problem. Oh, in my mind, I said, oh, wow. Is the thing the Bible calls fornication that she's calling fun. You see, when you have baptized sin, you have given another name to sin, it is now easy to commit it. That thing that woman was calling having fun, what did Joseph call it? Great wickedness. Until you see sexual immorality as great wickedness, you will never stop. And Mrs. Potiphar kept on, lie with me, lie with me. The Bible says every day she pestered Joseph. Listen, we have come to the age where the women are the ones now who are chasing the men. Of course, the men are still chasing. But now you have some very serious daughters of Jezebel who are looking for men to catch. Bible says Joseph kept away from her. But on one particular day, Mrs. Potiphar sent everybody out on all kinds of errands. He said, you, go to Sokoto and buy tomato. <laughs> he said, you, <laughs> go to Anicha and buy matches. <laughs> Just to make sure that she was alone with Joe, 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 that day in the house. And then she said, lie with me. When Joe came to work, he just realized that the whole place was scanty and vacant. Just Mrs. Potiphar. But he has to walk. He went about his walk. Lie with me, lie with me. Joseph said, no. And Mrs. Potiphar dived and grabbed his coat. I can imagine Joe said, Madam, you see this coat you are collecting? is Bonjo. My brothers collected the original. <laughs> My brothers took the original coat, the coat of many colors. This one you are collecting is, a, is the coat of a slave boy. You can catch the coat, but you won't get the covenant. You can catch the coat. You can tell oh, hallelujah somebody in this place. You can take the coat, but you can't take the covenant. That's how you, you see a man that has the covenant. If you throw him into prison, God will prosper him. God will go there with you, will cover your head. Joseph, with all the false accusation. All the betrayer by brethren, he was forgotten by people he helped. If Joseph kept all those things in his heart and mind, he could not have fulfilled his role. Now, so look what happened in chapter 42. Genesis 42, please, help me to put it up. And I want you to go to that place, because this is important. Genesis 41, 51. Ah! Joseph, 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 had to forget. Hallelujah. This was when Joseph had, the, had his first son. Genesis 41, 51. Can everybody read it together? Let's go. One to go. And Joseph, 
called the firstborn what? Manasseh. Read verse 50. Read verse 50. Put up verse 50. And unto Joseph we are born how many sons? Two sons before the years of famine came. Which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bear unto him. Yes, next verse. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn what? Manasseh. Why? For God, said he, has made me to do what? To forget all my toil and all my father's house. God, said he, has made me to forget. Please listen, this is very important. Notice all the things. Do you know that if Joseph was carrying these wounds inside his mind and inside his heart, he could not have functioned in the land of promise, in the land of his destiny. As he, as he will be trying to manage Egypt, then he will just remember, he will break down, he will start crying. As he's trying to make an official decision, anger will just rise up inside him, he will start stomping on the table and doing things. But something happened inside Joseph. He said, God said he has made me to forget. All my toil, all my, all the hatred, all the pain, all the suffering, all the betrayal, all the wounds of the past. Wow, God has made me to forget them. Here is something I want to say to you. Joseph could not do this for himself. I said Joseph could not do this for himself. You see, the things are real. What the man has gone through, they are very real. Some people have betrayed you in business. They have taken money from you. It's very real. You can't just forget it. Joseph cannot just do his hand over his brain, whoop like this, and wipe everything away. The things we are real. Do you know how Joseph was crying when he was begging his brothers? He was begging his brothers. Imagine that you are where your brothers are discussing how to kill you. He was begging his brothers. Reuben was pleading with them, let's not kill our brother. He brought them food. Can you imagine? Your brother brought food. They sat down, they carried the person who brought the food and threw him into a pit. Then they sat down to eat the food and to discuss how to destroy him. And he was overhearing it. How do you forget that? No, it could not be done in your own strength. But just like God did for Joseph, God will do that for you this morning in this place, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God will make you to forget many of those things in your past that are holding you back. You are released from them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Why is this important? Because there are things that are in front of you. You have to let that go because there are things in front of you. There was greatness in front of Joseph. There was prime ministership. He could not carry the pains and the bitterness and the wounds of the past into the things that God had in store for him in the future. Daniel had to forget. Daniel was in Babylon. I'm sure you remember. You know the prison. You know the bondage. You know the affliction by the Babylonians. Daniel had to forget that. If Daniel did not forget that, he would have been bitter against Nebuchadnezzar. He would have been bitter against Babylonians. But Daniel was not. For the sake of the things that are in front of you, you are released from your past in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But do you know the name of the second born that Joseph had? Put the next verse. 52 verse 52. Listen to the name of the second born. Whoa, blessed be God forevermore. And the name of the second was called what? Ephraim. For God has caused me to be what? 
fruitful in the land of affliction. Notice that just ahead of forgetting was fruitfulness. Beyond forgetting was fruit. You see, Ephraim could not come before Manasseh. This is a picture you are seeing in this place. The fruitfulness could not come before the forgetting. But after he forgot, he said, God has made me to be fruitful. We are in the land of my affliction. You will be fruitful in the land of your affliction. You will be fruitful in the presence of your afflictors. God will bring that to pass in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So what Paul says, forgetting those things, I am now focused on the future. I am pressing. I am reaching out. I am reaching out to receive the things that are ahead. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. And the final thing I want to close with this morning is that there is power made available for this pressing. Now, you remember in that Philippians chapter 2, go back to Philippians chapter 2, after Brother Paul spoke to the Philippians, verse 12 says, as you have always obeyed, Philippians 2.12, stay with me quickly, we are getting to the point where we can pray now. Power for pressing, that's the closing component. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not only as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, what does he say to them? Work out your own salvation with what? With fear and trembling. Then in verse 13, what does he say? For it is God who works, we are in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he says, work out. Point of order, point of order. He didn't say work for. He didn't say work for. He didn't say work in. He said work out. You cannot work for your salvation. Jesus did that on the cross. You cannot work in salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who works in salvation into the hearts of believers. But what are we commanded to do? To work it out. Allow the salvation that Jesus worked for, that the Holy Spirit has worked into your heart, allow that salvation to manifest, to come out in the way you live practically. Then he now says to them, the reason I can tell you this is because it is God that is at work in you. So even for them to work out, God is working inside them. Does that make sense? He's at work in you both to will and then to do of his good pleasure. In the same way, when we are looking at the matter of pressing, pressing, you will think that we are talking of human energy and just making more effort. No, it is by allowing God to walk in you, both to will and to do, that you find strength to press. And that's why he has provided both the power of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit to help us. Go with me to Acts chapter 16 and let's draw to a close there. Acts chapter 16. It's a story I'm sure you know. I just want to quickly refer to it and tie up so that we can pray. Acts chapter 16 from verse 16. It came to pass, it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl or damsel that was possessed with a spirit of divination. You see divination there? That word divination is python. Python. The girl was possessed by a snake spirit. Living inside her. What? Yes. The spirit of python. 
And that was the spirit that made it possible for her to fortune tell. To tell the future. It was a, it was a spirit of python. A snake living inside a girl. <laughs> Buyer beware. That's why you know some brothers are looking for wife. But what they may not know is that they will collect something more than wife. If they don't seek God. You may see the thing walking down the road and shaking all the shakeables and looking very attractive. But you need to check which spirit is living inside. <laughs> which spirit is inside. Because once you marry the person, you collect the spirits too. Imagine that this girl got married. Everybody please pay attention. Imagine that this girl now got married like this. <laughs> the husband will see wonder. And then this girl, she met us and she brought her masters a lot of profit by soothsaying, by fortune telling. So notice, this spirit that is inside this girl made it possible for her to tell about the future. So her masters, we are now using her to make money. Are you following that? So spirits can bring money. <laughs> you see, I, when people say that people went and made charms, I, I didn't understand it until like this scripture dawned on me. Spirits can produce money. That's it. How was this girl able to produce money? Because there was a spirit inside her. So picture what will happen. In the time for her consultation, she will sit down. Then the person who needs information from the other side will come. The person will pay advance. And then the person will sit in front of the girl. Then the girl will do what she I don't know how she does it. Then the spirit will begin to talk. Then the girl will tell the person what the person wants to hear. Then the person will pay the balance. That day they have made 30,000 on one customer. Then the next customer will call. Excuse me, where is all this money coming from? It's a spirit that is bringing this money. And now I want you to listen. Many believers don't understand that if you walk with the Holy Spirit, it can also give you money. Because if a demon spirit can produce money, the spirit that created the universe inside the believer can also give you wisdom to make money. Many believers don't know that. They think that all this Holy Spirit business is just to speak in tongues. Chaka, 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 chaka. You don't understand that he is the spirit of wisdom. Even in business. So the Bible says, put the next verse. So the Bible says, this girl kept on following Paul. And she said, these men are the servants of the Most High God. Which you unto us the way of salvation. <laughs> you see, what she's saying is correct. But the question is, which spirit is talking? Ah, I find that as leaders, we need a lot of discernment. You are going to sit with people. Everything they are saying will be correct. But you need to check the spirit that is talking. And Paul was checking. Which spirit is this? Do you know that if Paul didn't check well, he could have put her on the crusade team. See what the girl is saying now is correct. Is it not correct, my brother? Imagine that you're a missionary, you came to a new place, and here is the big person in the community telling the people that this man is a man of God. 
and he's preaching the message of God. Does that, does that not look good? It's good. So I can imagine Paul organized crusade and then he will call and say, damsel, damsel, come and talk to them. They are your people. Tell them so that they can confirm what we are saying. They say, she will take the mic if they had mic in those days. He say, these men are the servants of the most high God. Reach and tell us the way of salvation. So question, how did she know? How did she know? Hey, that's another spiritual reality. Spirits, no spirits. I say spirits, no spirits. The spirit in the girl knew the spirit inside for poor. Now, listen to what happened. So she did this thing for many days, but Paul grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that spirit came out. Oh, glory to the name of Jesus Christ. The name that is above every name. You snake spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of her. Every unclean spirit in anybody in church this morning, I command you, come out of the person in the name of Jesus Christ. I break your power over such lives. <laughs> and the spirit came out. And when her master saw, pay attention now because this is the point why I brought you to this story. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone. The hope of their gains was gone. Now, church, what was it that left? A spirit. But what does the Bible call it here? The hope of their gains. So their hope of profit inside this girl was a spirit. When they saw that that spirit that was producing profit for them had gone out of the girl, the Bible says they dragged Paul and Silas Caught them and brought them to the marketplace to the rulers, and I can imagine they say, Brother Paul, if you know that thing, I can imagine the girl, first of all, went for consultation later in the day. Because that's how they found out. So the girl sat down and customer sat. They say, Yes, he has paid advance. Tell him the something. Nothing. Nothing. The girl said, Oh God, there is nothing. The man said, what do you mean by there is nothing? Come on, tell him the something. He has paid advance, then he will pay the balance. She did go, 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 nothing. She said, nothing. Oga said, nothing. Where did you go to today? He said, I went to town around the market. Did anybody talk to you? <laughs> he said, there was one man. He's short like this. He was looking very, you know, Paul means little. Paul means smally. That's the meaning of the word Paul. The man could fit into a basket. I'm not joking. Paul, the word Paul means small, little. It was a nickname. Don't forget his real name is Saul. But when they saw him smally, he could talk. He said, hey, smally, smally, poly, poly, poly. That's how he got the name Paul. Are you following the point? The guy said, eh, the man was small. And he does it when he said, come out. He mentioned one name like that. And in fact, when he mentioned that name, what that thing that used to move me inside couldn't stay. He told me, and he came out. <laughs> the people caught Brother Paul and they say, if you know that thing that you cast out, cast it inside. <laughs> and Brother Paul said, I 
I'm sorry, we don't cast in devils. We cast out devils. They say, okay, we are going to cast you into prison. <laughs> That's how we're poor ended up inside prison. But now listen to the story. Do you know that there was a spirit inside the girl? But there was also a spirit inside Brother Paul. <laughs> That's what I'm, where I'm going. There was a spirit in the girl helping her to make profit for her master. But Paul of Tarsus himself was also carrying a spirit inside. That was a spirit that enabled him to have discernment. As that spirit was talking, the spirit inside Brother Paul said, No, that is not me talking. That's a strange spirit. Cast it out. Cast it out. So, actually, what you are reading there was a clash of spirits. I said two spirits collided. The spirit in the slave girl collided with the spirit of God inside the heart of Paul, and a spirit lost its place. Notice, just like this spirit made the girl profitable to her master, that is how the Holy Spirit makes believers profitable to our own master. Do you understand it now? That's why Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has done what? Has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Paul received that spirit. And that was the power that enabled him to press. Press. Even when he was tired, the spirit of God inside him was not tired. When they stoned him, the spirit inside him put in this mortal body. He will speak in tongues, he will pray. The Spirit inspired him to write scripture. The Spirit drove him to wait on God, to go to places. The Spirit ordered his steps. When he wants to go into Messiah, uh, or Asia, or Bithynia, the Spirit said, no, you are not going there, go this side. The Spirit, it was the Holy Spirit walking inside of Paul, enabling him to press in this journey. And the good news is that there is an outpouring of that spirit available to you in church this morning. Are you ready to receive in the name of Jesus? Don't say to yourself, I'm already filled with the Holy Spirit. That is that mind of satisfaction again. Because no matter how much you have been filled, there is more in God. There is something in front of you. There is something in front of you. And you need more outpouring, more grace, more insight to be able to press into it. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. And so this weekend, by the grace of God, we have spent a lot of time to study. Thank you very much for your patience. I love congregations that are patient with the word of God. Thank you for your patience with God's word. We have established from scripture that everything begins with somebody being what? Apprehended by Christ. That's the first prayer we are going to pray here. You are going to present yourself to Jesus and say, Jesus, here am I. Apprehend me. I am yours. I am yours. Apprehend me from a life of self-will, from a life of sin. I am yours. Then the next thing, after a life has been apprehended, is a clear definition of the goal. You say, I press on towards the goal. Notice that I didn't begin to talk about pressing until we had used yesterday to establish the goal so that we know what we are pressing onto. We know what we are pressing onto. We have clarity. And that goal is Christ himself to become like him. But in becoming like him, we also fulfill his purpose. 
which is what brought us to the matter of race and what and task. Now, when you finish your race, what are you going to hear? Welcome, thou blessed of my father. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you. And for completing your task, what are you going to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. So two things to live for and two things to hear from the master on the last day. Two things to live for, race and task. And two things to hear, welcome and well done. That's what to live for. Now in doing that, we have now concluded today by pointing out that there has to be a pressing. These things are not going to happen automatically. And that pressing is not casual. It's literally a dioko, a persecuting, a fierce pursuit, a relentless quest, a pursuit that is fired by the kind of zeal that fires persecutors. If you chase this thing casually, Jesus Christ is too precious to be possessed by casual seekers. There has to be a pursuit. And this pursuit is fueled by revelation of the priceless Christ. This pursuit is fueled by a forgetting of the things that are past. A clinging to what has passed cannot allow you, will not allow you to possess the future. So what do you do with what is past? If what is past is sin that needs to be forgiven, receive forgiveness so that you can face the future. If what is past is bitterness against people that hurt you, release them by forgiveness so that you can face the future. If it has to do with losses and other things that you have suffered in the past, allow them to go and enlarge your heart so that you can possess what God wants to give you in the present and in the future. And finally, there is power made available for this quest, for this pressing. And that power is nothing less than the power of the Holy Spirit himself walking in and through our lives. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Have you understood these things? Have you understood these things now? I want you to wave your hand at me. Have you understood the teachings this weekend? Have you understood, those of us that were here yesterday in the morning, have you understood how to make disciples? Because that's what it means to preach the gospel. To fulfill the task. To win souls to Christ. And then to disciple them to grow in the grace of God. As you continue to press in these things, you are going to see yourself being transfigured from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory by the Spirit of God working in your life. Let us pray now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's pray now. Let's respond to God. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you. Everybody, let's begin with thanksgiving. Let's thank the Lord for being free with his word to us this weekend. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Open your mouth now, please, and pray. I want to hear you praying. Pray with all of your heart. Say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your message by which you have not been consumed. Thank you for insight. Thank you for grace. Thank you for utterance. <laughs> thank you, Heavenly Father, for your grace. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your truth. I want you to pray. Pray. Pray from your heart. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. The next thing is 
apprehended, apprehended, apprehended. The master is inviting you to surrender. Bring your life into his custody, so to speak. His absolute control. Present yourself. Say, Lord, I'm no longer going my way. I'm no longer doing what I like. I want you to pray. Lord, in view of the glory that is ahead, apprehend this life now. I present this life to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We are praying, please. We are praying. We are praying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. That is where we must begin. As many persons as are saying, Jesus, I want to repent from my sins. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to take absolute control of this one life. Apprehend me, Jesus. Apprehend me. Here am I to surrender, to place my life at your feet. I want you, Lord, a master over this life of mine. Wash me, forgive me, change me, transform me. I want you to put up your hands. I would like to pray for you. All of you that are praying that prayer, just raise the hand above your head where you are. I want to pray for you. The Lord is calling you. His, His mercy is available. No matter what you have done in the past, I said to you, if what is in the past is sin, it needs to be repented of. You have to repent this morning. Then the blood of Jesus will wash you and then you can face forward. You can't forget sin. You can't say, I, I've forgotten the sin. No. You have to repent of the sin so that it can be cleansed and taken away. Then it will not be used as an accusation against you. So everybody who is repenting of your sins and you are asking for the mercy of God this morning, put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you. An unapprehended life is dangerous. You are going to crash. You are going to crash. Imagine if Jesus had not apprehended Saul of Tarsus. He would have been destroyed. Bow your head and ask for his mercy. Ask him to forgive you. Say, Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Lord Jesus, wash me. I surrender my life. I surrender all to you. Take over from today. Oh, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For these brothers and sisters. Thank you Lord for what you have called them to right now. Right now we plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. We declare their past cancelled by the blood of Jesus. Their sins washed away. Lord we now receive a brand new heart. A new day. A new life. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask that they will be established in the grace of God. All the days of their lives. Thank you Heavenly Father. Pray after me. Say Lord Jesus. I repent of my sins. Now come into my heart as Lord. Jesus take over. Jesus transform my life. Apprehend me. I now belong to you. In Jesus name. Give me the power to serve you. To know you all the days of my life. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you.
Okay, just a couple of prayers more before I take my seat. We want to pray now. I want you to ask the Lord to give you a fresh vision of Jesus. Just pray that simple prayer. Say, Lord, I want to know you like I've never known you before. I want to see you as you are. Let's all pray. Everybody pray. Lift up your voice and pray like that. Jesus, I want to see you in the fullness of your glory. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I want to, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Let's pray. Express that hunger to the Lord. Express that hunger. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Show me your glory. That's what Moses prayed. You can pray the same prayer and God will not pass you by. Out of the depths of your heart and out of your hunger, ask him to reveal his glory to you. Oh, dear Lord, reveal your glory to us here this morning. That we might know you. That we might walk with you. Thank you, gracious Father. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these precious brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, for this congregation that is set apart for you and for the glory of your name. Thank you for all that your spirit is doing in, in our midst, Lord, in this period. All the praise and all the glory goes to you and to you alone. And now, Father, as all of our hands are lifted up before you, Lord, we are demanding now and we are receiving now a fresh outpouring of your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Receive in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit and power. Receive the Holy Spirit and fire. Rivers of living water flowing through you. Strength in your inner man. Manifestations of spiritual gifts. utterance, Power. Your words will be back with power. As you step forward to obey the things that God has taught this weekend. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And any issues that concern you. Every sickness in your body. I drain them out by the power of the Holy Ghost. Get out of your bodies in the name of Jesus Christ. Those of you that have been oppressed. You have been oppressed in one way or the other. In the name of Jesus. I break your oppression of the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I release the things that belong to you. Every satanic blockade. Every satanic hindrance. Is permanent this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Receive answers to your prayers. Receive your breakthroughs in Jesus name. The people that said you are barren. They are not God. Today now. I command that you will conceive by your husband in your own family and you will bring forth according to the time of life in the name of Jesus Christ. Every word spoken against you and concerning you that was not spoken by Jehovah, I nullify and cancel them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, gracious Father. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We give you praise. We bless your name. Jesus will bless your name. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in us and through us. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Just bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Lift up your hand. Bless him. Worship him. Give him praise and give him glory. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Bless him. Bless his name. Hallelujah. I want
Give me all that I've been stand, my faith.